You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Are you ready for God's word? All right, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis and chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to read from verse 5 to verse 11. Genesis 37, verse 5 to verse 11. Oh, by the way, on the Travis Green concert, we're going to share a link where you get to register that you want to be part of the House on the Rock delegates that are getting a discounted discount, discounts to that concert. But the window to do that is just between now and Wednesday. After Wednesday, we close the window. On our various WhatsApp group, we will share that link for you to register if you're keen to be part of that, okay? All right, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to verse 11. Here begins the reading of God's word. If you have the New King James translation, you can read along with me. Let's rise up for the reading of God's word as it's a good custom in all house on the rock churches. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So they had hated him before, now they were hating him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field and then behold, my shift arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this, that, this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in his mind. You see, Joseph was favored above his brothers before he even had dreams. And because he was favored above his brothers, his brothers hated him. Joseph dreamt a dream that essentially had his brothers bowing down to him. So when Joseph had this dream, what did Joseph do? Did he keep the dream to himself? No, he did not. He went ahead to tell the dream to his brothers. Was this a mistake? Then he dreamt again, and this time his second dream, not just his brothers, also his parents bowed down to him. Can you imagine this? What did Joseph do? Did he keep it to himself? No, this ruddy, precocious youth ran ahead to tell the dream again to his brothers. Was this a mistake? 
I could argue that this was definitely a mistake because you don't throw your pearls before swine and, and, and premature exposure is very dangerous because you really shouldn't be counting your chicks before they are hatched uh, because wisdom is often discreet. Uh, so I would say that his telling his brothers was definitely a mistake. But now with the benefits of hindsight, it would seem that it was not a mistake because for the dream that Joseph had to be fulfilled, he had to get to Pharaoh's palace. But to get to Pharaoh's palace, he had to go to prison. To get into prison, he had to be a slave in Potiphar's house. To be a slave in Potiphar's house, he had to be sold into slavery. To be sold into slavery, his brothers had to hate him so intensely that they were willing to do that to him. For them to hate him so intensely, for them, for that, for them to do that to him, he had to tell the dream. So, the mistake of telling the dream might not have been a mistake after all. Or was it? The simple subject of my meditation this Sunday morning is, was it a mistake? Help me ask your neighbor, was it a mistake? Was it a mistake? What side are you on? Are you on the side of definitely a mistake? Or are you on the side of, mm, I'm not sure, it wasn't a mistake? Ask somebody else once again, was it a mistake? Was it a mistake? Father, thank you. Help me today, like only you can, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Now, even before Joseph told his dreams, he was already hated by his brothers. He was hated by his brothers because he was loved by his father. You see, sometimes love from one person can cause hatred from another person. He was hated by his brothers because his father loved him evidently more than he loved them. And unfortunately, his father, Jacob, who had become Israel, was not discreet about his love for Joseph. He flaunted his love for Joseph with reckless abandon. You know how it is. Um, he was always talking about Joseph. If visitors came to the house and they were seated around some um, bread and tea, the father was quick to start telling stories about Joseph to the neighbors, to the visitors, and would forget all about all of the other brothers. So he was, he, he, he was extravagant with his display of love for his son, Joseph. In fact, he loved Joseph so much that he made Joseph a coat of many colors to wear around, as if it was not bad enough that he was already showing favoritism towards Joseph. He now created a conscious reminder, a label for everybody to be able to see that Joseph was favored above his brother, so that even when the father was absent, the coat of many colors was a reminder to Judah to, to, 
to, to Benjamin, to Simeon, to all the other brothers, how Joseph was loved above all of the others. Now, uh, you, you would have expected that Joseph would uh, understand that this was irksome to his brothers and therefore would find a way eh, to minimize the obvious partiality uh, that he enjoyed. You thought that uh, Joseph would thank his father for the coat of many colors, but then go and fold it uh, inside his room and only wear it uh, on special occasions. But no, 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 Joseph. Joseph was immature. Joseph was proud and arrogant. He did not know how to manage favor. So he would put on the coat every single day, like he had no other clothes to wear. He would put on this coat of many colors and he would get his swag on and he would walk around the house. He would go into the field where the brothers are and show off his coat, show off his favor. He didn't care what anybody thought about his blessing and his favor. This was the nature of Joseph. Now, before I go further with the Joseph the story, can I take a sidestep and talk to you about the management or the mismanagement of favor, you see? Favor is approval, is support, is liking for someone. It is over generous preferential treatment. It is an act of kindness that goes beyond what is due or usual. Synonyms for favor include endorsement, commendation, esteem, goodwill, a positive bias, partiality, unfair preference. Ah, uh, yeah, can I pick this thing like I feel it? Favor is not fair. Help me tell your neighbor, favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair. Yeah, favor isn't fair. Sorry, sorry, it's not my fault uh, that I'm favored. Favor just isn't fair. I didn't make myself favored. I'm just favored. It's not my fault that I'm as fine as I am. <laughs> it's not my fault that I'm as tall as I am. It's not my fault that they love me the way that I love it. Well, favor isn't fair. Is there anybody grateful for the favor of God upon their lives even this Sunday morning? Go ahead and give God the praise. I'm sorry if you are offended that I'm favored. I didn't deserve it. He simply reserved it and I'm a recipient of it, so I give him all the glory. You see, favor is access. Ah, with favor, you can get what other people cannot get. Favor, so powerful. What did Joseph do to be favored? What did he do to be favored? Ah, what did he do? How did he bribe his father to favor him? Ah, was he a goody two-shoes that always did his homework, that always did everything right? Why was he so favored? Well, let me tell you that Joseph didn't do anything to be favored. All that Joseph did to be favored was that Joseph was born. That's all Joseph needed to do. All Joseph needed to do was to be born. Favor is not really earned because it's always in excess of whatever was done. If anything was done, all Joseph did to be favored was to be born. So also, our only claim to favor is that we are born again. Woo! 
It's not because we are good. It's not because we are righteous. It's not because we keep all of the rules. The only thing that has, that has guaranteed us favor is that we are born again. Do I have any born again people under the sound of my voice that know that they didn't deserve it, but they are receiving that favor that was reserved for them? Go ahead and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Favor is the extra upon your ordinary that makes it extraordinary. You see, there is no one that has been extraordinary that has not been a recipient of favor in one way or the other. Favor grants you exemptions when other people have to jump through many hoops. Favor always gives you what you don't deserve in a measure that is much more than you deserve. Favor gives you what your skill and your competence cannot give you. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank God for favor. Uh, Somebody is feeling like under the sound of my voice, like I, I'm not sure that I'm a recipient of favor. I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning, everyone will experience at least a moment of favor. And what you do with it, with that moment of favor, will determine whether it remains just a moment. You see, even a broken clock is right at least two times in a 24-hour period. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? You are going to have favor, all right? How you manage favor becomes extremely important. If you manage it right, a moment of favor will become an hour of favor. If you manage it right, an hour of favor will become a day of favor. A day of favor will become a week of favor. A week of favor will become a month of favor. A month of favor will become a year of favor. A year of favor will become a decade of favor. A decade of favor will become a lifetime of favor. Is there anybody ready to manage and maximize the favor of God upon their lives? If it's you I'm talking about, come and shout yes. Ah, yes. It's not about whether you will have favor or not, because you will have favor. In truth, you already have favor. The issue is how you manage the favor. Uh, favor might bring you into the palatial residences of the king, uh, but how you manage the favor after you are in there will determine whether you stay in there or you get evicted. Oh, yes. Oh, Lord, give us the discernment to recognize favor when it comes our way and the wisdom to manage it properly. The problem with too many believers today is they do not know how to manage favor. It's the mismanagement of favor. You didn't know what to do when you gained access to a man or a woman of influence, notoriety, and power. You didn't know how to manage that access, which was favor. Uh, but before we get overly excited about favor, we, you must understand that there is another side to favor. There are some unintended consequences of favor. You see, because favor attracts not just the good, it also attracts some bad things. Favor attracts jealousy. It attracts envy. And sometimes it even attracts intense 
hatred. Not because you did anything, just simply because you were favored. So as you pray for favor, also prepare for the other side of favor, which is what Joseph was experiencing. Joseph, even though he was mismanaging favor in my judgment, he was always going to attract the other side. Joseph had been given a coat of favor. It was now just for him to manage that coat properly. It's not everyone that you expose the favor you have to because they will hate you for it if you and sometimes they will even try to take the favor away from you. Uh, stop dropping names everywhere you go. It's not always a good thing because sometimes when they hear that, oh my goodness, you're on a first name basis with that person, oh you know that person, their jealousy and their envy can cause them to go behind your back and go and meet the person to say all sorts of evil things about you simply to try to take away the favor that you exposed to them that you had. You've got to be wise enough to be a bit discreet about what amount of your favor that you have that you expose to everybody else. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, you know the rest of the story of Joseph. His gross mismanagement of his favor landed him in deep trouble. It landed him in deep trouble. It was a pit. It landed him in a pit and so many other things. And though in the immediate, his mismanagement of favor was a mistake, on the long run, at the end of his story, his mistake was essential for the fulfillment of destiny and divine purpose. Uh, how could this be? So was this a mistake after all? <laughs> we'll answer that before we're done. Our God, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. Our God, uh, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. Our God, mighty God, all power belongs unto God. Once it was spoken, twice have I heard. Our God, mighty God, he tells you the end from the beginning because he is the beginning and the end. But he hardly tells you the in-between. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he has this interesting, nasty habit of telling you the end from the beginning, but not telling you what's going to happen in between the beginning and the end. So he tells Joseph in his dreams that he's going to be great and mighty, that his brothers and even his parents will bow down to him. Uh, he tells him all these wonderful pictures, but he does not tell him uh, that on the way to the fulfillment of the dream, uh, he's going to get thrown into a pit. Uh, he's going to have the coat of many colors stripped off his back. Uh, he's going to be sold into slavery. He's going to be falsely accused of attempted rape. Uh, he's going to be sent into prison. Uh, he's going to be forgotten in prison. Uh, all this, uh, God did not tell him. All God told him was you going to be great, you going to be mighty. Am I talking to anybody this Sunday morning? 
uh, God whispered to you uh, in the early days of your Christian walk. Uh, wow, how great, uh, how mighty, how influential, how significant, how relevant you are going to be. Uh, but he did not tell you uh, what you were going to go through. Uh, uh, God has this nasty habit of telling you the ending from the beginning, uh, but not telling you the in-between. Uh, and it's often the in-between that gets us. Can I get a witness? Is that in-between period that frustrates us? Uh, so I ask God, why don't you tell me what I have to go through to get to? Why don't you tell me that I have to go through the pit, that I have to go through the valley, that I have to go through the fire and the flood to get to the destination, destination that you promised me? Why don't you tell me? The truth be told, let's be honest, if some of us were told what we were going to have to go through, we'd have said, thank you, Jesus. Just leave me where I am. I'm okay where I am. I don't need that glory. Just let me live a quiet life and go to heaven afterwards. So that's one of the reasons why God won't tell you what you got to go through. Apart from that, he doesn't tell you what you will go through because we have we lack the maturity to process or handle the information but as we mature he's able to reveal more to us and I was as I was meditating and thinking about it he now said I don't tell you what you're going to go through listen to me because of the necessity of faith oh yes for the just shall live by faith not knowing makes living by faith and trusting God essential. Because if you knew everything, then would there be any need to trust him or believe him? Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So faith and trust becomes essential for getting in between the dark seasons. He uses the not knowing what you're going to go through as the process to prove and refine your faith. Somebody go ahead and give God the glory in this house this Sunday morning morning. Uh, but back to the question of how God works even our mistakes into his divine master plan or design. How does he do this? How does he factor in uh, uh, Joseph's mistakes and makes it part of the plan? I said this last week Sunday, I'll say it again. He does it by his foreknowledge. He does it by his own knowledge. Uh, yes, he knows what is coming before it arrives, so he's able to work all things together for the good because of his foreknowledge. As we read in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30, for whom he foreknew, uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn above many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, those he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. So we see a five-step process here. He foreknows, he predestines, he calls, he justifies, and he glorifies. But the very first thing that he does is that he foreknows you. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Foreknew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. So God always operates in his foreknowledge. He foreknows you. He knows everything about you.
about you before you even knew you. And then based upon that foreknowledge, he predestinates you to predestinate you to set a destination ahead of time. Uh, after he foreknows you, he predestinates you. And he predestinates you never to evil, but always to good. Because our God is the good God. He could not predestinate anybody to evil because that would be contrary to his very personality and character. For every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light in whom there is no variableness, nor the shadow of turning. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are not thoughts of evil, but of good to give you a future and a hope. So God's predestination for everyone is glory. None is predestinated to evil. So that should settle the predestination question for some people that think that God can predestine some people to hell and some people to heaven. No. He predestines everyone to get to heaven and to glory. But whether you get there or not is a different question because there's a part you play in the process which is the calling stage. So he has predestined you but he will call you. Now you have to either say yes or no to the call. If you say yes to the call you're going to get to the destination glory. But if you say no to the call you take a detour that can end you up in hell and high water. Oh yes. So he calls and then he justifies and then he glorifies. So now we try to apply this principle to the very story of Joseph. So God foreknew Joseph and he saw the precocity and the immaturity of Joseph and he knew that Joseph was going to blab his dreams to his brothers and he foreknew his brother's reactions to this, this blabbing and therefore God uses even that mistake in his plans. So instead of the mistake and the consequent repercussions of that mistake derailing the divine design of God, it fit perfectly into the design and actually catapulted the design forward. Is anybody hear me what I'm talking about? Uh, still, why must I go through what I go through? All right? Because of the clash of wills. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, that's why we go through what we go through, because of the clash of wills. The clash of our will with God's will. And the, the interplay of everybody else's will also impacting the picture. But our God is God enough to not violate anyone's will and yet be able to work all of our wills, all of our choices, all of our proclivities, all of our craziness to still feel, feed into the counsel of his own will. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? This God is big. This God is awesome. Uh, the other reason why he allows Joseph to go through he allows you to go through and he allows me to go through is because God is more focused on the development of Joseph than in the achievements of Joseph. 
is more interested in the development of Joseph than in the achievement of Joseph. So Joseph had to go through what he had to go through so that Joseph could be developed. Oh yes, the Joseph at the end of the story is very different from the Joseph at the beginning of the story. Am I talking to anybody here? Uh, the Joseph that went in was different from the Joseph that came out. At the beginning of the story, uh, it was all about him, all about his dreams. Uh, but by the time he was in prison, he had grown, he had matured, he had developed, and he was no longer talking about his dreams. He was now interested in the dreams of others. Ah, uh, yes, I'm going somewhere with this. And when ultimately uh, he was brought out of prison into the palace, it was not for his own dream, but his willingness to interpret other people's dreams. Willingness to make things happen for others. Ah, yeah, yeah, focus. Ah, willingness to interpret Pharaoh's dream. He didn't say, I need to sort out my own dream first before I take care of your dream. He said, okay, I'll put your dream first and then we'll see what happens. Can I prophesy to somebody that it's time to graduate from interpreting uh, the dreams of prisoners uh, to interpreting the dreams of kings and queens and pharaohs and men's, men of influence and affluence. Ah, prophesy this thing like I feel it. Ah, you've been interpreting the dreams of, of strugglers for long, empowering them enabling them, but God is about to promote you to start to interpret uh, the dreams of those that have the wherewithal to reward you uh, beyond your expectation, beyond your belief. You're going to interpret the dream of a pharaoh and he's going to make you prime minister. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and show you. Woo! Hallelujah. You see, when you shift from, from it being all about your dream, your brand, your thing, and are happy to contribute to someone else's dream, someone else's brand and thing, uh, then God will be the one that makes your dream come to pass. Uh, yes. As I look at this story, I start to see the intentionality of God. Uh, God does everything, and everything he even permits is intentional. Hey, Jesus. Uh, so Jesus. Uh, so Joseph. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, you know. Joseph in the Old Covenant is a type of Jesus. Well, we won't go down that road today. Uh, Joseph rightly interpreted the butler's dream. Uh, and that dream was fulfilled, and immediately the butler was restored to his position, taken out of prison and restored to his position. Ah, uh, yeah. But then he forgot Joseph. He forgot Joseph. He had promised to help Joseph uh, when he was released. He had told Joseph, once I get back into my position, I have the Pharaoh's ear. I'll whisper in his ear, and you will soon follow me out of prison. Uh, but the butler forgot Joseph. He forgot Joseph. I can imagine. Oh, yes. Joseph interprets the dream. 
he sees the jailers come and take the butler out of prison. And he, he starts to get giddy and expectant and happy in his soul. Oh, the butler is out. I'm coming out soon. And then day one passes. He asks the master of the jail, has there any message come yet? They said, no, no message. What message are you talking about? Oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Day two, day three, day four, day five, no message. Uh, one week, no message. He goes back to the head of the jail and says, still, have, have any, has any mail come in for me? Any letters, any message for me? The jailer says, what are you talking about? Uh, what are you talking about? There's no, nothing has come in for you. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine how gutted Joseph was. Said, I've been forgotten here. One week became two, became months and still no message. He was dejected. He felt forgotten. Has anybody felt like that before? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he even thought about maybe I should find a way of sending a message to the butler to remind him that I'm still in prison and he's forgotten me. Uh, but the scripture doesn't tell us whether I could find any way to do that. Uh, 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 but can I tell you what I really think? I honestly don't think that the butler intentionally forgot Joseph. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe. God made the butler forget. Oh, because my God is an intentional God. Oh, Jesus, help me here. Ah, there's an intentionality about his forgetting. Ah, God made him forget. Ah, why do I believe this? Because if the butler had remembered Joseph earlier, he might have been able to engineer the release of Joseph uh, prematurely, and that might have meant that Joseph would not have been in a position to interpret the Pharaoh's dream and deliver the nation. Oh, you don't hear me, what I'm saying. If he had been released too quickly, it would have been out of time. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we have a modern day um, uh, Joseph of sorts uh, who, who passed on uh, a number of years ago. Uh, Nelson Mandela, oh, great leader of uh, the South Africans, uh, 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 a liberator indeed, uh, thrown into prison for how many years? Uh, 29 years or something like that in prison. Do you realize uh, the question arises uh, that what made Nelson Mandela great? Uh, was it his time or was it what he made of the time? And I debate, I can go on and on, but can I tell you what I believe? I believe that if Nelson Mandela had been released from prison uh, five years earlier, he would not have become the first black uh, president of South Africa. He was released at the right time. Can I prophesy to somebody? You felt like you've been in prison for so long, locked up for so long, limited for so long, you thought it was a mistake. Oh, but it was intentional. God was holding you back for such a time as this. And it's round about time. You're coming out of prison. If you believe in what I'm saying, come and shout yeah! <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. 
Oh my goodness, it's intentional. You see, some people, oh, what you are going through right now is not a mistake, it's a setup. This is where I see that it all wasn't a mistake. It was a setup. You see, uh, some people that you did good to have forgotten you, but God did not forget you. And not all they're forgetting you, whether intentional or unintentional on their part, it was intentional on God's part because he will share his glory with no man. <laughs> Uh, because you had, you still had some growing up to do. Because it was not time yet. Because God had a much bigger plan in mind than your small dream. Uh, can I prophesy that the time of re remembrance is around the corner? Somebody's going to remember you for good. Even in this week, they're going to rush and run to your aid. Even in this week, the time of remembrance is now. It's all coming together. It's about to make sense shortly. If you believe it, shout yeah! So now we read of Joseph's ultimate verdict of all that he had gone through. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 18 to 20, listen to Joseph speaking to his brothers. Uh, Israel, his father had just died. And so the brothers were concerned that all the evil we did to Joseph, now that our brother is not on the scene, maybe go and deal with us. So they were begging Joseph. And then Joseph says, verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? <laughs> Listen to verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is today, to save many people alive. Joseph's verdict was that the devil, his cohorts and collaborators, meant it for evil, but God permitted it for good. Ah, it's all working together for your good. Everything that came against you, it's working together for your good. Your en enemies are actually in your employment. You just don't know. They're working together for your good. Somebody shout, yeah! Woo! And as I start to bring this thing to a close, there is still a bigger picture. Uh, the picture is even bigger than Joseph and his brothers and Israel. Are you ready for this? Uh, tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, are you ready for this? Get ready, get ready. Something's about to happen. Uh, the bigger picture, bigger than the in, 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 in immediate activities, uh, actually dates back uh, to the covenant conversation between God and Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 uh, from verse 2 to verse 3, where God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make you a blessing. Anyone that blesses you, I will bless. Anyone that curses you, 
I will curse. Uh, the clincher is the conclusion of the promise of God to Abraham, and it is in you. Uh, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, do you see the bigger picture now? Uh, yes, yes, you see it? Uh, no, no, not quite. Uh, okay, stay with me. Uh, you see, God is not a man uh, that he should uh, lie. You see, if Joseph uh, had not been in Egypt uh, with the solutions to the famine uh, that hit the land uh, for seven years, what would have happened to the descendants of Abraham? I'll tell you what would have happened to them. They would have died of starvation. And if they had died of starvation, the covenant promise of God that in Abraham and his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed, would not have come to pass. In other words, that covenant promise would have died with the Israelites. But God is not a man that he should lie. Uh, so Joseph had to misbehave. Joseph had to misbehave. God said, eh, I cannot lie. So I'm going to allow and I'm going to make happen whatever needs to happen for me to preserve my person and my promise. So Joseph had to misbehave and had to make the mistake to get sold into Egypt. He had to be falsely accused. He had to be thrown into prison because if he hadn't been thrown into prison, he would not have come out to interpret Pharaoh's dream and he would not have been able to not just deliver Egypt but let me tell you who the real objective was. It was to deliver Israel and protect the promise of God. That's the bigger picture. It wasn't about Joseph and even his brothers. Uh, can I go a bit further? The bigger, bigger picture doesn't just go backwards. It also goes forwards. Oh uh, yeah, the bigger picture goes forward uh, to a virgin Mary uh, who would conceive uh, a seed of the Holy Ghost uh, of the house of Judah through whom greater than even the blessings of Abraham uh, would be made available uh, to all the families of the earth. I don't know whether you understand uh, what I'm saying right here. So the deliverance of Joseph uh, was not just about the preservation uh, and blessing of Joseph, his brothers, and the house of Israel. It was really about making sure that the covenant blessing would reach you and me. Is there anybody grateful under the sound of my voice that our God is not a man that he should lie, that he made sure and ensured that the blessing did not die in the wilderness. The blessing did not die with Israel. The blessing did not die and any step of the journey because he was making sure that it got to you. If you are grateful this Sunday morning, go ahead and give God the praise. So we start to see that it wasn't a mistake. It was divine design. It was a setup. Can I bring it home and let you know it's never been about you. It's always been about others. 
Lord Jesus, help me. Uh, out of your misery is coming ministry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He allowed it because there's somebody else that needs to be touched by your life. Oh, you don't hear me what I'm saying. As Abraham was going up one side of the mountain, the, the ram was coming up the other side of the mountain. Abraham could not see what was happening on the other side, but it had to be. It was divinely orchestrated. It was a set up. Uh, 2 Corinthians and chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, hey, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you get what it's saying? We are only able to comfort others with comfort that we ourselves have received. This is the true power of empathy. We have no comfort with which to minister to others if we have never been in need of comfort. So he allows us go through so that we'll be able to minister to others with, without condescending arrogance because we have been there ourselves. So out of your misery is coming a ministry. I see ministries being birthed under the sound I asked him that so what was all of that about and he said I'm working all things together for your good it's not a waste it's part of the plan Ooh. he sat me down he said bros no, God some, sometimes speaks to you in your own language. He says the reason you can preach the way you can preach, the reason that you can teach the way you can teach, the, way, the reason you are able to see things the way you see things is still connected with what I let you. For the deliverance of multitudes, Lord, I surrender. Use me today. Come on, come on, tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Lord, make sense of it. I decree and declare it's all making sense now. What he allowed is making sense. What he permitted, he made, made making sense. What he did, it's making sense. Lord, I surrender. Use me like only you can. Oh, Father, we bless you. We bless you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. There is no God like unto you. I pray, oh God, that we would truly be as pliable clay in your hand, great potter, and that you mold us into that which you want us to be in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're out there and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ Jesus yet, this is your moment, this is your opportunity. Please repeat these words of prayer after me and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for giving your life for me today. I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord. And therefore, by faith, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. 
amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are indeed saved, and we're so elated to accept you into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So today, I want you to connect with us, direct message us on any of our social media platforms, email us, follow us on uh, wherever you can, and get back into the house of the Lord where you can grow from being a child to becoming a mature son of God. God has a great destiny for you, and it's a wonderful one indeed in the name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.